The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Everyday Motherhood, the podcast that inspires you to pause, connect, and play more every single day. The podcast that's focused on you, the mom, to help you fill up your cup and rediscover the joy and love in your everyday life. We can't parent alone, and parenting is too serious to be serious all the time. Thanks for being here. My name is Christy Thomas. I am the founder and developer of PlayForLifeMoms.com. Let's jump in. Quick note, this was recorded at the end of March. I am so excited today to welcome my friend, Colleen Kessler, to the Everyday Motherhood Podcast. Colleen has her very own podcast, and it's called Raising Lifelong Learners. That's right, isn't it? Okay, I got it right. Shoo. Welcome, Colleen. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. I um, have followed Colleen online for years, but then last year I got to finally meet her at a homeschool convention, and I feel so lucky to have met her in real life and continued a friendship. And now she's here to talk about play and anxiety and kids. So let's talk first about kids and anxiety. What can you tell us? Okay, that's a big, big <laughs> Okay, Just like anything about anxiety. <laughs> I know, that was a hard one, wasn't it? Um, let's yeah. talk about, you. You do you have a kid with anxiety that you've vlogged <laughs> yes. about and some struggles? You have some personal challenges yes. here, right? Okay. I do. So yeah, so just a little bit of my background first. Uh-huh. Um, so I have a master's degree in um, gifted education and worked in the schools for um, a decade and a half with uh, kids who are gifted and twice exceptional and a lot of gifted kids, a lot of kids who have any kind of um, advanced intelligence or creativity also kind of process the world in um, varying ways in in other aspects of their, their abilities. So we've mm-hmm. got kids who also struggle with um, dyslexia or learning disabilities, um, attention deficit disorder, hyperactivity, and then anxiety is a big one because oftentimes these kids um, they can process things at a much higher intellectual level, but their emotions are still yeah. that of a little one. And sometimes, and actually oftentimes, their emotions are even lower, social and socially and emotionally beyond um, beneath their years. So, you know, for example, you could have like an eight-year-old who can talk and understand things like a 12, 13, 16-year-old, mm-hmm. but they're still behaving and under and emotionally like a six-year-old mm-hmm. so um so I worked with those kinds of kids and had to kind of learn to approach um big topics and and learning uh from that perspective of of maintaining their social and emotional needs as well and then 
I was blessed to have some gifted and twice exceptional kids of my own, which is a whole different ball game. You, it's one thing to teach them and see them all day, you know, during the day, but it's a different thing to raise them and, and be there all day and all night with them because there's other sides that you just don't see. And I, I often joke, and it's not really even a joke, really. I wish I could go back to some of those parents that I, <laughs> whose kids I taught and just apologize and say, oh, I get it now. You totally were telling me everything that was going on um, because it's just, it's big. Emotions are big. My oldest um, struggled with anxiety a bit when he was a kid. He saw a psychologist from the time he was like seven to 10 or 11 mm -hmm. and um, managed to start to kind of take it um, and, and control it and um, accommodate for it himself pretty early on. And we think, um, the psychologist and I, that his, his anxious feelings and, and, I don't know, propensity towards stress is a byproduct of his really high intelligence yep. he's profoundly gifted according to IQ tests and so he's always a big and deep thinker and he's got lots of existential fears and worries and um, kind of worries like about why he's even here and if there's purpose for him and stuff like that and it's not true um, anxiety disorder stuff right. it's more a byproduct big, of his thinking yeah yeah the big gifted and kid at nighttime yes. thinking about death when he's a four-year-old in bed Exactly. sort of thing exactly <laughs> yeah and then um and then our uh third child um is diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and she struggles um we never kind of know when something's going to trigger yeah. um an, an anxious feeling or a meltdown or a panic attack and um so we've really dived deeply into understanding that whole whole animal that is true anxiety disorders and the the chemical piece of it that you know that can't always plan for the triggers and you don't always know yeah. what's going to happen for example actually um earlier when I, I sent her to bed before you and I got on um she went upstairs and I had forgotten to um hug her and I was giving my seven-year-old a big um hug we call them squeezy hugs mm -hmm. And I said, um, can you go up and get Logan? Because I forgot to give her squeezy hugs. And he went up to get her and brought her back down. Um, and she came in with these wide eyes. And um, she's like, what? And she was really <laughs> like disrespectful and short and clipped. And I'm like, I just wanted to give you a hug. And she just melted down oh. because she assumed that she was in trouble, which then triggered the worry about what she could have possibly done. And then she realized she was mean to me and all I wanted was a hug. And then she started feeling, she kind of triggered, like her yeah. anxiety triggers depression. And so then she was just crying in a puddle because she was mean to me and all I wanted was a hug. And you never know like what exactly, she was anxious about coming and getting in trouble. So she put up this defense wall. Mm -hmm. And then because she's also so emotional, um, just melted down when she realized that there was <laughs> nothing there. You just never know how it's going to trip up yeah. and how it's going to manifest. Yeah, that's that's really real and really hard stuff. And mm -hmm. um, the loop back, I always thought as a classroom that I always needed to go back to my parents when I was a classroom teacher now and tell that I was sorry too. <laughs> like, I, I would have been a better public school teacher if I had my own kids already. Like yeah. living with kids twenty four seven changes how 
how you see everything. It so does. What what did you teach? Um, middle school, math and science, and then third grade. <laughs> I love third grade. That was one of my favorite things to teach. When I was a classroom teacher, that's what I taught. Oh, give me uh, sixth graders all day long. <laughs> I, I love myself a good sixth grader right on the edge of everything who thinks yeah. they're so big, but they're really just, you know, cozy little fifth graders still. <laughs> yeah, I like the third graders because they came in still babies. And by the time they left ready for fourth grade, it was like this huge transition. And they mm-hmm. were like their own people and their own kinds of learners. And in the beginning, they were still those little first and second graders. And so you got to see that transformation from like baby to person kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the magic of sixth grade for me is that they have like the tough candy shell, but the sweet chocolate still inside. Cause they're they're really cozy, the sixth graders are, if you can let them be defensive for you. So let's talk about anxiety in kids. So you okay. you have some experience. So when you know that big things are happening in the world, like right now, are there things that you do differently as a parent because you know your kids already have predisposition? Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to say too, before I even talk about that, that oftentimes apples don't fall far from trees so chances are these kiddos who struggle with anxiety to some degree also parents who struggle and I think that especially in in times like right now where there are big things happening and real things to worry about we're worried and we're anxious and then we're also beating ourselves up because we know we gave our kids that (laughs) propensity to anxiousness and so we need to be really grace-filled towards ourselves and let go of that the guilt that is natural to have when we think about like oh she's melting into a puddle because I did that to her because I'm worried about all the big things that are happening so first we need to take care of ourselves in these kinds Mm -hmm. of times we need to make sure that we're feeding our own souls if that means like you're introverted and you need to shut yourself into a bedroom like for a half an hour every single day do it um you know talk to be really open with your partner and make sure that you know everybody in the house has your back um, my kids know, I, I just tell them that I'm introverting and they know that I just need a minute to myself. Um, sometimes they're better than others about that, but you really need to take care of yourself. But then secondly, you need to be really, really cognizant of the d- different moods surrounding your kiddos. Um, and like what they're seeing and hearing, you've got to be careful about what you're talking about in front of them, what kinds of things you have on. We have not had, up until actually recently, we have not had any network television, anything with commercials and stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything we've ever done has been streaming and it's been highly regulated. And that's because we have kids with anxiety. Um, And I never know what is going to trip them up. So I'd rather them hear things like through me Mm -hmm. or at least me be there when they hear it so we can talk about it. Um, this year, we got um, a subscription to Hulu mm-hmm. because my bigger daughter and I are watching American Idol together, <laughs> and that's like feeding her soul. Yeah, um, it's also fun for me. But um, but the the ten year old with anxiety has been watching too, um, and so she has a rule that she leaves for the kitchen or goes upstairs and gets her pajamas on or some. She does yep. something on every commercial break. Um, so we really limit and she knows that's for her own brain because yes. her brain processes scary images in a different way 
and we just talk about that. And um, in fact, everybody's kind of a team. Like, well, somebody will put their hands over her eyes if she yeah. hasn't left. Or, um, so just be really, really in tune with them, um, and lots and lots of connections. Whatever, whatever way your anxious kid um, needs to feel connected, make sure you're doing that. If it's you know through games, or through walks, or through um, imaginary play, mm-hmm. or just conversation, whatever it is, you know your child, yeah. and so make sure that you're doing that. And then. Um, and then letting them know that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to worry and giving them coping mechanisms and strategies like a toolbox um, that they can draw different things from um, and try whenever they're feeling upset. One of my um, daughter's favorite things to do to process feelings is to draw. Mm-hmm. And she's not a particularly talented artist, but she loves the act of it. I mean, she's mostly still a 10 stick figuring. Yeah. Um, but she will fill notebooks and notebooks and notebooks if she's feeling anxious. And so I encourage that by ha- having lots of markers and spiral notebooks and paper around. And then I also give her other strategies. So she knows that, you know, sometimes um, things that are crunchy give yeah. her some, you know, calm, just break her out of whatever's there. She's just got a lot of different things that she can pull from. And so make sure that your child knows that there are things that they can do. I think that's really helpful. And I think that I find the more that I try those strategies as a parent first and model it in front of them, the more that they're willing to try it and can see that it would be helpful. So that's, that's my advice here that Colleen has this amazing deck of cards. Um, that's a anxiety toolkit, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has 96 ideas and I've been flipping through it and picking ideas and modeling me doing it. And then inevitably um, a kid will show up next to me in the middle of mm-hmm. me doing it because I've chosen the path of not inviting them on purpose. That's been my strategy with this so far <laughs> because I know that there's like a latent level of anxiety in my house right now, just from the atmosphere of everything going on, but I didn't want to force them into it or make them talk about something that they weren't ready for. Um, so I've been just picking strategies and then they piggyback onto me. Like today we looked at the clouds and we talked and had a really mindful moment but I don't know if I would have gotten a kid out there if I would have said, let's go do this. <laughs> yeah, I loved that, that you did that um, because that's such a powerful thing for our kids to see us using different strategies and, and then know that they can do that too. When, when I first created the, um, the anxiety toolkit, the deck itself, and they came, um, I was, of course, you know, showing them to the kids because they had been watching the whole process of, of producing this physical thing. Yeah. Um, and they were excited, too. But I had a deck on my desk because I was like showing it during Facebook Lives I did and other times just to kind of get people excited about it and just talk about it because I was so excited. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I, I was getting ready to do a Facebook Live and my deck wasn't on my desk. <laughs> And I'm like, did anybody see my deck? And nobody saw it, of course, right? Nobody admitted this. And so I got another one out of the boxes and um, did my Facebook Live. And later, Logan came to me. And again, she's my one with anxiety disorder. And she said, 
I'm sorry. I took it. She said, but I was looking through it, and I remember you doing some of those things with me when I was littler, and I didn't know that you were doing them to help me with my anxiety, and it was really fun to look through them and think about the things I want to do again. And so that moment was really sweet, and I've seen her. I just gave her that deck, and it's upstairs in her room by her bed. And um, it's really sweet to see her trying different things. And I hear her, when her brother is getting frustrated or whatever, use some of the words that I know she's pulled from the deck to, like, break him. There's there's a strategy in there that I just call count red cars. And the basis of it is... Yes, I love that one. Yeah, you're in... We have done that since actually my oldest was a teeny tot because the the whole point is you're in a situation where you can't change your reality Mm -hmm. you are driving a car and whether they're melting down for an anxiety reason or just because they don't want to be in their car seat you can't stop every Mm -hmm. time they're fussy and so getting them to switch and change paradigms and like look out the window and count red cars is a simple thing to change it up so they get their mind off of whatever it was that was bothering them. And so I've heard her doing, look out the window, count how many blooms you see on the tree. It's just been really sweet to watch her kind of adapt that and use that in different ways with her little brother. I love that your family uses this as like a team thing, like with the TV and helping her leave the room with commercials. And now she's coaching her brother through it. How did you create a culture like that? Oh, I don't know if if it was like anything, any one thing. Um, it, there was definitely from the beginning. So we had our oldest. There's five and a half years in between our first and our second. And then we have four kids. Um, and then the other three are kind of like clumped together mm-hmm. in kind of a normal pattern. Um, and it was really easy for that first one to feel like, he, his space was being encroached upon mm-hmm. and and then he was not an athlete or anything like big and tangible mm-hmm. um, and didn't perform in any way and so when the, the second one came along and started performing and doing different things that were more visually um, out there yeah. and getting accolades for it we start, We just started talking more and more about we're all a team. Everybody has different strengths. Everybody has different weaknesses. And that's what makes our family interesting and creative and yeah. strong. And so we try to talk about something good that everybody's doing. And for a while, we, we actually probably should get back to this because we did it a lot when they were younger. Um, but we would always share something great about their day at the dinner table. Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, periodically we'd change it up with um, having them cha- um, share something great they noticed about each other. And um, just always trying to keep it positive. And then we would talk about, you know, something that they were thankful for and then something they wished that they could change um, each night before they mm-hmm. went to bed. And we, we talk globally as a family and always talk about us as a team. It, in fact, there's there's a really old post on my site. We have a family mission statement. Oh, great. Um, it's old. It's, I mean, the post is really, I don't even know <laughs> if the, the images work on that post anymore. I should probably go look at that and update it. Um, but it's, it's about developing a family mission statement. And then from that mission statement, using that kind of as the guiding force of our family so that discipline doesn't become an us versus them thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, our family mission is to spread kindness and you just chose to say X, Y, Z about your sibling. 
are you choosing to uphold our family mission statement? No, well then, you know, and then whatever our family consequence at the time was, it usually is an extra chore. And so that's what they would they would have chosen if they had chosen to go against our family mission. I like so that. that's kind of how we we've we built that culture a little bit just because we, we keep everything focused on that mission. Mm-hmm. That's a good that's a good framework to have. It's nice to always have. It's easier to make decisions, right? When you have an overarching. So when those hot moments come up, you know what your big goal is. I really right. like the idea of always starting with the end in mind, right? From the Covey books. Yeah. Yes. And that helps a lot. So you have you been playing more with your kids during this at all or finding that your kids need to play more to help process all the changes? Yes. Yeah. Actually, um, for the so in the beginning of all of this, we're about we're entering what our third week mm-hmm. um, as we're recording this uh, as the stay at home measures have happened. And in the beginning, we were kind of all thrown because my oldest and I were traveling mm-hmm. and then in the middle of a convention that that I was speaking at and he was helping me work at, um, we got closed down in the middle of it, which was extremely traumatic for him in particular. And actually, because of that, we've seen a lot of kind of a regression anxiety-wise. And we've had a lot of late-night conversations because that's when you talk with teens. Um, But we we were thrown in in the beginning to this, like, new normal... Um, and so as we're now coming into, into our third week, we're kind of finally getting a handle on things. At first, it was, it was just a free-for-all. Like, I was processing, they were processing, they were on their screens a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. so if you're, if you're still in that situation, any of your listeners, yeah, it's okay. It's really okay to just, like, plug them in for the day and let yourself regroup um, and then come back later. Because nobody's damaged by multiple days in a row of screens if you need it to refocus yourself if that's what you need to be um, safe, we're coming out of that right yeah yeah it's a safety yeah. mechanism um, yeah mm-hmm. yes it is and then you want to then change things up so what we've been doing lately um because we lack executive function skills and control <laughs> over the impulse to immediately go on to Kindle Fires and Chromebooks yep. is I've actually been locking them up in the file cabinet in my office <laughs> along with the remote controls for the television and the Nintendo Switch controller so there is no access to any kind of media at all by any person other than me who has the keys to my file cabinet. Um, so we start our day with lots and lots of unplugged time. The little two, um, and little by little two, I mean they're not super little. They're seven and ten. Right. Um, but but they they're little do, for you. Yeah, they're they're my littles. Um, they're doing like just basic schoolwork right now. Kind of the three R's. Mm-hmm. They're doing a, a phonics workbook, a handwriting workbook, a math workbook, and then doing a little bit of reading. And then I just keep putting off giving them their screens until later. So mm-hmm. what I am finding is because they don't have that easy to retreat to thing. Yep. They are pulling out Legos, which they haven't played with in a while. They're pulling out their Magformers, and they are acting out all of the different things that are going on. Absolutely. And so they're processing through their play. They're engaged with each other more so than they had been for a while, you know, when we were going from thing to thing. And they're adventuring together, and they're looking for each other. I have caught my 17-year-old teaching my 7-year-old how to play chess. And um, it's very sweet because that's not the norm. 
and then um, the 10 year old and the 13 year old um, singing Broadway show tunes together. And so, yes, they are playing a lot more. Um, I'm not a good get down on the floor and play mag formers or Legos person. I've never been. I can play board games. I can go for a walk because I can look for cloud pictures. Yeah. I can do that kind of play. Um, I can play with words and I can dance and I can sing and do and I can cook and play with yeah. ingredients and mess with recipes. Um, and that's okay. They have each other for Absolutely. the, the mag former and dollhouse play. Um, and then they have me to mess around with ingredients and, um, you know, throw a recipe, create a recipe together or um, go out on the deck and, you know, see if they're, if we're hearing bluebirds on our property or whatever birds, robins. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are all relaxed. I would say that we're relaxing more and we're, we're relaxing in kind of hilarity. You know, we're mm-hmm. laughing more. We're making, we're being silly. We're tickling more. We're chasing yep. the dog more. We're throwing, you know, playing catch and fetch. Um, so definitely more play than, than we've done in a long time. Same here as for our homeschool, for the younger two kids, um, my eighth graders going full steam on some things on her own, but the other two kids are definitely just the three R sort of things and a lot more creative play to give them some control over it. Right? So when you look up the definition of play, I was talking to Peter Gray about this the other day. And he reminds everyone that play is something that you have ultimate control over. You can't be forced into it. And there are rules and structure, but it's like 100% yours, the sculpt. And when you are a kid playing with another kid, you're buying into that. It's really hard to play like that as an adult. My seven-year-old has been asking me to play some of his pretend games. And I try, but I have to set a timer. Like, I could only play yeah. it for so long before I am no longer a good playmate for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I love that um, Peter Gray says that. As you know, I'm a fan as well. And um, I heard him talk about, it was all about play um, at a master class um, a couple summers ago. And that idea of the unstructured freedom is something that I'm definitely trying to give my kids more of right now. Mm-hmm there are open bins of um, building supplies yep. and there's a light table and there's play-doh and there's uh, there are a ton of crafts my my daughter plays by crafting and oh, drawing yeah. and making cards for people and things like that and um, and then we've incorporated um, some zoom play dates which have been fun um, my 10 year old has a good friend who lives in Indiana and we've connected the two girls on Zoom and then just left the room, her her mom and I. That's amazing. And they've played for hours via Zoom. And they've the the last time they played, we kind of were observing from afar. Yeah. But they built Legos together. They took each other on a tour of the house with their iPads. Um, they took turns. They played charades. Um, they played 20 questions. They played hide and seek via Zoom. I mean, they, they had a blast. And they're going to do that again this week because that it was so, there were no rules. There were, yeah. was no rhyme or reason. And they had this picture of themselves there. And they were both surrounded by their own 
special things that they could share virtually, but it felt to them like they were in the room together. So it was, it's just great to see that just open up and be silly. The laughter, oh my gosh. We haven't had laughter in the house like that because it's a different kind of laughter when you're with your siblings yes. and your parents all day, every day right now. And they were just giggling and, you know, all bets were off. It was just sweet. I love that. That is, um, I have to say, we've experienced that before, but not, we haven't done it yet during this quarantine period or social distancing. But every time we move, we have played mm, eggs yeah. with the people that we've left behind um, for like a good couple, three months. And then people start to fade a little bit mm. as, as moving goes. But those magical laughters from from friends from far away, like it's a whole different sort of joy. You can mm-hmm. really see um, what a gift technology is in a moment like this. Yes, yes, definitely. And then getting them, you know, outside if you're able to is is so amazing to watch too because they don't have, you know, you're not going to a playground or a play date like that structured. You're yep. just like, get outside. My, my kids, um, my two younger ones, so we just moved to this, this place where we're living now and we have just under five acres, which is such a gift during this time because the last place we were at was super teeny with a postage stamp lot and it was like a step out of inner city. And so they have this space and I was laughing yesterday because we've had a lot of rain and we are finding that our yard is very muddy. <laughs> um, and they both came to the door and they're like, I mean, within five minutes of being out there and, and they're like, well, we need to change. We, I fell in a mud puddle and I'm like, so you're supposed to do in your backyard, go get completely muddy, stay out there for an hour or more. And then we'll strip you down when you come in, clean you off, get you all cozy and get you some hot tea or something, but go get muddy. And they're like, Really? It was so foreign to them. And then they were just gleeful. They came in with rosy cheeks and had been out forever. That is awesome. So how are you taking care of yourself during all of this? When you, or even normally, because you have kids with anxiety all the time and you don't know when it's going to rise up. So how do you take care of yourself as a mom? What's your self-care tip? Yeah, that's hard. So it is really hard. So any parent out there who has kids with any kind of special needs, it's, it's not only incredibly difficult to take care of yourself, but it's incredibly crucial Mm -hmm. to do so. um, Because you can't help a special needs kiddo without being healthy yourself emotionally and, and physically. Um, I'm unorthodox in my way of caring for myself. I am I can be on with people and and be in the moment and see lots and lots of people and almost seem extroverted. But when I'm done, I hit a wall and I really need alone time to recharge. And so um, we have, uh, in our normal homeschool life, we don't start anything, including co-ops, until after 10 a.m. And so I stay up late. I read, I work. I um, I connect with friends on Voxer yep. or whatever, or I just sit in my quiet room with my twinkle lights. I have Christmas lights yep. all year round in my office because they make me happy. And I don't go to bed until usually after midnight, but I also don't force myself to get up and make breakfast. Um, I've taught my kids that breakfast is their meal and they can eat whatever they want as long as it's healthy. We usually have cereal or oatmeal or sometimes we have baked goods. Sometimes they make themselves quesadillas as long as they clean up and they've eaten something. 
there on their own and I usually leave out um, some kind of activity for them to do yeah. uh, when times aren't what they are. I strew out some kind of like open-ended play activity yeah. or a learning activity invitation and I sleep until at least 9 a.m. That's amazing. I'm so glad you said that. That's yeah. going to give someone freedom to lean into that night owl schedule if that's what you're if that's what you're designed yeah. to do. That's important. Yeah, and and even you know sometimes I would love there were times that I really tried to flip that and be up in the morning because I wanted to get more out of my day. Um, but even if I weren't really wired to be a night owl, it really is the only time there's quiet mm -hmm. um, in my particular house. And so if if I didn't allow myself to stay up late and sleep in, then I would never get any quiet time and and that would cause me to have my anxiety spike. And so, so if the only time you can get time to yourself to give back to yourself is night, you can lean into that too. Our kids are gonna be fine. I mean, my kids have been doing the schedule since they were a lot younger and they're really capable early on of getting themselves cereal if they're hungry or an orange or an apple if you leave the fruit dish out on the table absolutely that's important so how are you connecting through play as a family right now Colleen we are playing games every day at least one game um they're playing more with each other but we commit to playing one <laughs> at I least like that. and then um and then we're we're playful in non-traditional ways, you know, like with um, sharing music with each other mm -hmm. and dancing and being silly. Um, I've noticed my uh, my 12, almost 13-year-old, I called her 13 earlier because she's so close, um, just her, like, loosening up, too, and being silly and, like, trying to cover me with kisses because that's what I used to do with her when yeah. she was little, and she knows, you know. I'm like, please don't touch me, don't touch me. And she thinks that's hilarious and she's giggling too. So <laughs> anything that makes them giggle, I'm trying nope. to do a little bit more of. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Where can people find you online again? They can find me at raisinglifelonglearners.com and everything is linked there, my podcast and my blog and all of the resources, including the anxiety toolkit that we were talking about earlier. Yes, it is totally something that I'm going to be buying more of to pass out to local friends because everyone needs a toolkit. Oh, thank you. Okay, I'm going to do something different that I haven't done before. In the next week, if you leave a review mentioning this specific podcast, I will, and you screenshot and email it to me, you'll be entered in a contest where I will mail you one of Colleen's anxiety toolkit decks. I really want to support you during this time and the deck is so good. It moves around my house. I'm about to order a second copy so it can live in my car. So send me an email by Saturday, May 23rd to be entered into the random giveaway. Let's help each other. You are the right mom for your kids and your kids are the right kids for you. If you want to continue the conversation, go find the Facebook group of Everyday Motherhood Podcast fans. I'll see you there.